welcome to Postscript. My name is Dave Severns. I'm the worship pastor here at Compass Point Bible Church. And with me today is Paul Eastwood, as usual, and a friend. Paul, do you want to introduce our friend? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we've been uh, working through the series and uh, it's been really kind of a neat thing to kind of walk through this whole idea of being, this idea of what we've been entrusted with as we've been looking through the pastoral letters. And uh, this Sunday, we had a really great opportunity to uh, connect with uh, Eric Dunnett. And uh, so Eric shared with us, and uh, we're really pleased to have Eric with us here today. And so I'm excited to just dig into this a little bit with him. Um, and just a reminder, as he was sharing on Sunday, he really was talking about this idea of, of our faith not being an easy thing. Mm. And uh, compared some of our, our faith journey to the idea of uh, climbing a mountain, uh, which really kind of painted some really interesting imagery and I think uh, will really lead to some good conversation. But he yeah. talked about this idea of when we face the com- the complexity of living at our faith in the context where we are, um, we need to recognize that we're going to face these difficulties. And um, when we do, um, you know, we need to remember what we've been taught, remember our training. We need to trust our equipment. We need to talk about being prepared um, we need to keep moving forward, keep our eyes on the prize. Really practical advice that we were able to find from that passage in Second Timothy. Yeah. So uh, we have uh, uh, Eric with us here today. And so the great thing is that we get a chance to hear a little bit of his story. And, mm-hmm. and I just want to start with that, Eric. Um, you know, thanks for being here. And I just want to share, ask you the question, uh, how does a guy in marketing uh, end up at McMaster working towards uh, a Master's of Divinity? Well, thanks, Paul. I really appreciate it. It's uh, super exciting to, to be here with you guys. And, and honestly, the honest answer is I have no clue how I got from there to here. But I know that uh, for a number of years I was working with a ministry here at the church called Celebrate Recovery. And Pastor Glenda poured into me and, and taught me a lot of things and gave me the opportunity to be uh, more than just, uh, you know, an usher or more than just a greeter and asked me to stretch my boundaries. And as I stretched those boundaries more and more, I started to get more comfortable in things. And uh, I remember one Christmas where, where a, a member of Celebrate Recovery came to me and, and said, hey man, you should stop doing what you're doing because what you do here on Friday nights is way better than whatever it is you do in the real world. And I kind of brushed it off and you know just kind of ignored it until the next week somebody came to my wife and said the same thing. Your, your husband needs to stop doing what he's doing and do this. And uh, I ignored that too until the third week came along and a third person came. And that's the point, you know, I'm just a farm kid, so maybe I'm not that smart, but uh, three different times, God's telling me the same thing. That kind of, uh, that rang a bell with me. And so uh, we started looking at uh, seminary and Bible college and what did that involve? And, you know, I'm kind of lazy at times. And uh, so I left it for six months until my wife kind of said, hey, are you going to go and do this or are you not going to do this? And so we jumped in and uh, we jumped in with trust. Uh, We believed that God would provide. Uh, We certainly didn't have the funds or the time to do any of this stuff. Hmm. And the original intention was to do one or two classes a year. And uh, by way of scholarships, bursaries, government grants, I ended up doing six courses the first year. And the same thing happened the second year. And this year, it didn't happen quite that way, but I ended up taking seven courses. So, uh, you know, it's a a real testimony to Providence. And uh, knowing that uh, if I'm in God's will, he's going to make a way. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so you're how how close are you to being done this journey of doing your master's? Sort of really close, but sort of not really close. Uh, I've sure. got about a half dozen courses left to do, uh, and I'm going to do one this summer because I have free time apparently, and I'm going to do some next year, and then I've got uh, two internships, and then that's it. Wow, 
That's awesome. Well, um, thank you for being here. Thank you for uh, putting in the time and energy to prepare and to share with us, your church. Um, I think we all greatly appreciated it. Um, and as Paul said, just kind of summarizing it, you were you're in Second Timothy, uh, digging into the persecution and the challenges that sometimes are in the Christian faith. Um, we'll start with the kind of the same question that I normally ask Paul. As you were putting this message together, what did you leave on the cutting room floor? What were the, the bits that maybe didn't make it in that you think might be helpful to share? Well, there, there were two things that uh, kind of got cut uh, <laughs> because I was struggling with time. Hmm. Uh, you know, one was a, a more in-depth examination of, of what does it mean to trust? Hmm. So I, I think we throw that word around a lot, but we don't really understand what it means. And uh, so I, I wanted to take a, a more in-depth look at how trust is experiential and, and just the ways that we trust in the world and how we can relate that to God and just kind of realize it's a sobering thought. And I know when I was originally looking, it's like, whoa, I trust a whole lot of people a whole lot of ways and I trust God not so much hmm. a whole lot. Uh, that was one thing. The other thing that uh, kind of got shaved and I wish I'd expanded on a little bit more was uh, at the very end when I was talking about uh, the reason why we go through all these things and, and uh, just really just uh, digging into how great it is to follow Jesus and all those blessings so that we can really understand the profit and the benefit of that cost. Awesome. Yeah, that's, uh, that's really great. Um, what, what about as you were preparing this? I know uh, from, from my little experience preaching, um, there's kind of what you say, and, and in amongst what you say, there's usually something that, that reflects back in your own life and that you kind of carry um, as the main thing or as something that really gets you. Was there, was there a moment of that, or what, what was that in this passage? You, you got a big, a big chunk here, um, but, but what was the thing that kind of stuck with you? Yeah, for me, the, the big thing was, uh, particularly in, in uh, chapter 4, when, when Paul's uh, telling Timothy, you know, keep your head on your shoulders, stay cool, stay calm, but be ready to go. Uh, watch mm. out for those false teachings. And, and, and uh, for me, I don't run into false teaching too much, uh, except for Twitter, maybe. Mm. But uh, what I find that I struggle with the most is, is keeping my head on and keeping calm and cool when things aren't going right. Uh, and that's, I mean, that's so hard. I mean... We live in a world where there's just so much stuff that could go wrong at any any notice. And, and to be able to just stay the course and keep moving forward, mm -hmm. uh, that's easier said than done. To, to steal from the mountain analogy, it'd be like you're on the mountain and you see an avalanche coming right at you. Yeah. The last thing I'm going to do is say, hmm, I wonder what I should do here. Hmm. I'll just keep moving forward. Now, I'm turning around screaming and waving my arms in the air and running as fast as I can away from the avalanche. And, and that's unfortunately a reflection of my faith sometimes. Hmm. When something goes wrong, instead of just saying calm and saying, hey, God's got this, he's in control, I turn around and run screaming the other way. Hmm. You, you mentioned uh, false teaching there. You said you don't come into much contact with it except maybe Twitter, um, which I think is true. There's probably lots of false teaching out there on the internet. Uh, and even the way, the way we gather information, the way we learn is changing these days with social media, with things like this. Even you're in seminary, you're reading from different sources and people who say different things. How would you recommend people really dig into good teaching so that they can avoid false teaching? What, is, what does that look like in the lives of most people who are working nine to five jobs, which you know? Um, how, how do you do that? Well, I think the biggest problem we face in the world is we don't ask enough questions. Hmm. We hear something and we take it as truth. It, it is what it is. I heard it on TV or heard it on the radio. It's in the newspaper or something like that. 
And, and, and I think that what we need to do is we need to ask questions and ask good questions. So if we hear a scripture verse and somebody says, it means this, and it doesn't ring true with us, we need to ask questions. And hmm. perhaps the answer is to go to an online commentary. I mean, for most people, they're not going to have Zondervan's con uh, commentary on their, on their shelves. But there are good commentaries online that you can go to and find out some basic information. Yep. Uh, you could touch base with any of the pastors here at Compass Point. Hey, I heard something. Uh, somebody said this verse means this. I don't understand it. You know, what does this mean? Uh, those yeah. would be the, the starting points for me. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's great. Yeah, I just want to go to a slightly different direction in, in the sense of this 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 question of trust. Because I think that was a really good one, a really good thing that you brought up and, and talked a little bit about that. Um, and, and I think when, you know, I had a conversation with someone even this week in my office and, you know, they were, um, they were talking about the fact that they, they spend a lot of time praying. They spend a lot of time in communication with God yep. and they don't see the outcome that they were expecting. Hmm. And so, and so he kept coming back to me and saying, I don't, I don't get this. I keep praying for it. I keep asking for it. It's just not happening. I don't understand. I mean, this is a, this is an issue that's in my life and it's still in my life. What's going on with this? And. And I was able to, I, I kind of turned to him and I said, look, I, I think that the question that we need to be talking about is trust. And he says, no, no, I trust, I trust God totally. I totally trust God. And yet he ha was holding on so tightly to his own idea of the future that he wanted to see. Hmm. And, and I think that, you know, you really touched on this idea of, of trust um, when, you were, when, when you were talking about this whole mountain climbing experience and recognizing how important it is for us to, you know, keep moving forward and keep trusting what we know and what we understand um, you know, you used a, a really great analogy that I, I really loved about the, um, you know, how many times we trust certain things without even knowing it, um, and then related that to to faith. You, you, you remember that conversation that we had? Like, can you just share a little bit about this idea of of what trust actually looks like in action? Yeah, the the analogy that uh, Paul's referring to is just driving on the highway, and uh, just driving down here was a matter of trust in a number of different ways because there are things we don't even think we trust. Yeah. But we trust other drivers. We trust the road is safe. We trust our brakes are going to hold. We trust that you know our car is going to turn on. Mm -hmm. We're trusting hundreds of other people, and we don't even know it. And mm. uh, you know, when it comes to trust for me, I think a lot of um, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. Yep. And uh, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you and give you hope in a future. And I remember a pastor once telling me with that verse, it doesn't say in there, God's going to tell you the plans. <laughs> it says, God says, I know the plans. Yeah. So you need to be happy with that. And that's really helped me a lot with my trust of God is, is understanding that I may not know what's going on. I may have no clue how it's going to work out or where it's going to go. But if I just have enough faith just a little bit of faith to just trust that god's got a hold of it yeah it may turn out the way i want it may not turn out the way i want it may mm. turn out some way all completely different but in the bigger picture in the long run uh, god's got me on that and that gives me hope to mm. make it through those tough times and to just trust in him yeah one of the things i loved about your um your mountain climbing analogy that that maybe um yeah, people wouldn't ring true as much. I mean, you talked about the preparation it takes. Um, you talked about needing to know your equipment. You talked about, right, you, you've got to get ready. You've got to understand the different zones of the mountain. You've got to not only get up, but get back down. Um, and, and you talk about trust and plans. And, and it's clear, we often think like, we've got this plan. And if I was going to climb a mountain, I would make a plan. And yet life doesn't always work like that, right? Like sometimes these mountains that we get presented with, these things, these challenges, these persecutions are unexpected. Um, 
how do we how do we prepare well for unexpectedly climbing a mountain? What what does that look like? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> honestly, I mean, when when stuff comes up in my life, I'm never prepared for those things, and and I don't know if I can be because we just don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I know I like to sit around at times and think, okay, what if what if uh, you know what if my wife's union goes on strike? What do we do then? What mm-hmm. if what if what if? And at the end of the day, I find that it's it's a lot of time spent thinking about what ifs that usually never happen. Hmm. Yep. And so I've learned for me, it's it's better for me just to learn how to react to those things and to be prepared for that reaction. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's good. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, one of the things I think that sort of goes along with that is this idea of, um, you know, getting on the mountain in the first place. And I think, you know, sometimes it's hard for us to know um like some of it, sometimes we 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 think that we're living out our faith in, in the Christian life in a certain way, mm-hmm. and you know you talk about these things that come up unexpectedly, and we don't actually take those steps to start scaling the mountain. In other words, we're not actually taking steps to address the issues that may be presenting themselves, yeah. and and I think that's a really um, you know really kind of important way of looking at it too. And I and I know. Um, for you, Eric, in your own life, um, you know, we know each other uh, pretty well. I've gotten to know you and I recognize, I know in your life, there have been some mountains that you've had to climb and, and perhaps for you, the first step was actually deciding to get on the mountain. And I know, Mm. you know, when you started coming to this church, you were coming on a pretty regular basis, but really hadn't got to that place where you were taking steps towards developing your faith. Can you explain a little bit about what that was like? Well, I think for me, you know, I've only been a Christian for nine years. Hmm. Um, so the first couple of years was really just about learning what it meant to be an authentic Christian. I, I played the part of a Christian for a better part of 20 years. It's like being on a TV show, right? I'm not a doctor in real life, but I'm a doctor on TV. It was the same with me. My faith was completely fake. Uh, I came to church. I stood up when I was supposed to stand up. I you know, said what I was supposed to say. But the reality was, was there was no real faith there. And it took me a good three or four years to really start to learn the basics. It was like going back to kindergarten and learning how to count, yep. you know, learning what books of the Bible went where and who said what and how did this happen. And it's, it still amazes me today when I'm in the university and somebody says, oh, this happened in Jeremiah. And I go back and it's like, whoa, I didn't even realize that. Hmm. But it's just catching up on that. But once I had a, a solid footing in faith and, and really started to trust God in a real way. And that came from seeing God act in my life in a real way, in terms of my own hurts, habits, and hangups, and seeing how he brought healing to me and to people that are around me, that I started to realize that, you know what, this trusting God thing is, it's a really cool thing. The more I trust God, yeah. the more God comes through. So in terms of mountains, you know, the first couple of years were really just looking at the mountain hmm. and thinking about, it'd be cool to go up there. And it, you know, it took another year and a half for me to really start realizing that the mountain was something I wanted to climb. And now uh, I'm, you know, I, I don't know if I'm in the death zone hmm. or, yeah, or yeah. coming close to the summit. But I, what I've realized in the last couple of weeks as I've worked through this analogy is it's not just one mountain. Yeah. There's a whole range of mountains. So after this mountain, I may scale back down to, you know, to the valley yep. for a little bit and then find another mountain to climb. And, and that's going to require even more trust uh, as I leave the marketing field yeah. and, and head somewhere else. Sure, sure. Um, I, I actually, I'm not a mountain climber like what you described kind of Everest, but both my wife and I love hiking and we lived out 
near the, uh, the near the Rockies in Alberta. And we did, there's different kinds of hikes you can do up on the mountains. So one of our favorites was what we called a, a ridge walk, Acamina Ridge. It's about a 20K hike. And you hike up, it's uh, six or seven K up. And then you spend four or five K hiking on the ridge of three mountains that are connected. And you get this beautiful expansive view and then you come back down, right? And some, some mountain climbs, you, you go up and unexpectedly the vista opens up and you're at the summit and then it disappears quickly. Some of them you spend a little while on the ridge and it's like that in our journey, right? We never really know when it's coming to an end or when we're coming back down. Um, and it, it, is, it is about the journey. And I think it's also important to remember, and I didn't point it out because I wanted to leave it sort of implicit. When you get to the top of the mountain, after all that hard work, after all that pain and suffering, hmm. after going through trials and tribulations, you see something amazing. Yeah. And the view is fantastic. And you, you're in this this totally just overwhelmed feeling of joy. Mm-hmm. And, and with God, it's the same way. When when we climb a mountain for God and we really exercise that trust, you know, our skin is, when we get to that mountaintop, our skin is like prickly with goosebumps. Yeah. And you just feel 100 pounds lighter. Yeah. And, and it's just a remarkable feeling. Absolutely. Uh, probably the most well-known piece of scripture in this bigger passage that you drew from was uh, 2 Timothy three sixteen. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, um, so that the servants of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Okay, so we, I've got a small group that meets after the service on Sunday, and we were talking a bit about this and talking about um, Leviticus and genealogies and when reading the Bible, right? We like to spend time in the Gospels. We like to spend time, some of these key verses like Jeremiah 29, 11, some of these passages in Genesis, but, but really, like, what do we do with genealogies and with Levitical law? Like, I mean, you're in school right now studying the Bible. What, how do most normal people access those things and learn from them? Well, I don't think most people do. Fair enough. I, I know for me, uh, until I went to, to school, I skipped over those ones. Yeah. You know, do I really care whose son was the son of the son of the son of? Do, do I care about Levitical law? But what I've come to learn is that it's about authenticity and proving that the Bible is accurate and authentic. Hmm. When we see those genealogies, it's a history. It, it's like going to Parliament Hill and reading the record of, of parliamentary secretaries or something like that. We know those people were there, even though we've never seen them, mm-hmm. because we see it in this book we know to be historically reliable. The genealogies that we see, the Levitical law, this all tells us that God is paying attention in a very clear and special way. And when I when I see these genealogies, now I kind of look at them, I go, that, that reminds me how special I am to God. Mm. Because God made it a point to put those things in the Bible, so there must have been a reason. And for me, I look at them and I think he's showing us how much he loves us on an individual basis Mm. because he made sure to put that record of those people in there. And it makes me feel loved. It makes me feel individually unique and special to God that if he remembered those people, he would remember me too. Yeah, that's great. Um, I I think it's good to remember you talked earlier about asking good questions, right? Um, When we come to a passage of the Bible that we either don't understand or don't find relevant, ask some good questions. We've all sat under, the three of us have all sat under really brilliant Bible scholars and teachers who can unpack these passages in ways that, that I've found particularly compelling. Um, and I, I think it's important if, if we come to something and we say, this doesn't seem relevant, go back and say, okay, God included this for a reason. Um, that's one of the reasons I, I, I love that we have the Bible. It's not, it's not a book that is 
particularly simple. I mean, it's simple in a lot of the foundational stuff and the characters of God that, that we get to see in the character of God. But it's a book that we can study for a lifetime and just continue to mine and to find deep, wonderful truths in. Yeah, and I, I loved your illustration um, uh, on Sunday when you talked about the idea of the Bible being like a pair of boots. It was probably one of my favorite illustrations that you described yeah. that that we can't, you, you don't get into a new pair of boots when you start to do a mountain climb. You you have to be kind of in them on a regular basis and you have to kind of work them in. And I, and I feel like that same thing applies when you think about all these passages that we're looking at. You know, keep... Mm-hmm keep getting this word into you because the, the the really great thing as you've described is that this story is is big and it extends um you know all the way through scripture and the story of god is is so compelling and the more we work on it the more we uh, get to know it the the easier it becomes to to apply it to our life and to allow it to affect us in deeper ways too yeah awesome we are at the 20-minute mark, which means that our time is just about done. Um, any final thoughts from you, Eric, or Paul? Anything you want to leave us with? Well, I mean, on a personal level, I just want to thank uh, the church for its support of me over the years. Uh, it's really cool to be able to walk into that big university and into that uh, college and know that I've got a family, you know, a thousand strong with kids that has got my back and that's praying for me and... Uh, is uh, supporting me and that makes climbing the mountain a lot easier Mm. when you know you've got a team behind you that cares and loves for you and my encouragement for anybody would be if if you're feeling god pointing a mountain out to you you know talk about it don't don't hide it in the shadows but come and talk to one of the pastors here you know you can find me on facebook or twitter or sometimes even answer my phone but you can (laughs) you can come talk to me i'll tell you about climbing the mountain but it's so worth it to get on that mountaintop and start moving towards the top yeah. Yeah. And I would just say, you know, I'm, I'm really thankful for you, Eric, too, and the opportunity that you um, just for sharing with us. And I, you know, one of the things that we've been talking about this year as we leverage our leaders is we want people to find the way that God has uniquely wired them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that includes all of you who are listening. There are probably some questions you might have. Maybe there's some things that you want to move into that you're not sure about. And uh, we just encourage you come and talk to one of the pastors here at our church Um, take some steps towards some of those difficult and challenging things because you never know um, you know you never know how it's going to work out awesome thank you so much Eric thank you Paul Uh, and for those who are listening along we greatly appreciate it Uh, if you found this helpful uh, feel free to share it uh, spread the word and uh, hope to see you soon